Welcome to Bat Books for Beginners. Chris and Jerry bring you Robin to Kill a Bird. Download, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Bat Books for Beginners is part of the BatmanUniverse.net family of podcasts. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to this edition of TBU Bet Books for Beginners, episode 166. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And we are your hosts. On Bet Books for Beginners, we will examine story arcs with Batman and related characters. We'll give you the historical background of the book, break down the plot and the art, and give you our opinions so you can decide for yourself if they're worth a read. Today's Bat Book is Robin to Kill a Bird. Chris, tell us a little bit about the story. Thank you very much, Jerry. Hello, Batfans. Thank you for downloading and spending some time with us today. Robin to Kill a Bird is a 144-page softcover trade paperback that was released in April 2006, with a cover price of $14.99. The artwork on the cover was provided by Chris Bruner, which is an altered version of the cover to Robin number 138. The trade paperback reprints Robin issue numbers 134 through 139, which were cover dated March through August 2005, and the individual issues had a cover price of $2.25. The individual issues are available on Comixology. For our creative team, I'll go off of personal recollections and information I found online. We have Bill Willingham as the writer. Mm-hmm. Willingham has been previously mentioned a few times on our podcast already. Oh, yeah. I think it's fair to say he is probably best known for his past work on the DC Vertigo title, Fables. Mm-hmm. Presently, you can find his work on Dynamite Comics' The Greatest Adventure title. For our artists, we have some old names and some new names to our podcast. Giuseppe Caimacoli did the artwork on one of the chapters. He's a name we've mentioned a few times on our show, and I think he's best known for his recent work on The Amazing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've mentioned Damien Scott before. He did the artwork on the first, second, and fifth chapters of this volume. He's a Kubert School graduate. He's done work on DC and Marvel, working on Batman, Robin, and Batgirl. For Marvel, he's worked on the web of Spider-Man and Ghost Rider. He's also done a book entitled How to Draw Hip Hop. Hmm. Uh, let's see now also we have pop man he was born in bangkok thailand and if you're a reader of the cassandra kane batgirl title back in the day you may have previously seen his work there now i'm not sure if we mentioned scott mcdaniel's name before on our show and if we didn't i'd be surprised but just to be safe uh scott mcdaniel also did some work on this he i know him from his work on daredevil many 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 years ago but i think i best know him from his work on the nightwing title from the mid-1990s into the 2000s 
Used copies of this trade paperback can be found online for as little as $3.64. A few vendors, though, can sell you a, quote, new copy for about $10 over the cover price. But I think if you were that interested, you might be better off going for the individual issues. This was the first trade paperback that we've covered that I could not find any reviews or average review score on Amazon.com. Yeah, but however, on the website goodreads.com, this has an average score of 3.28 stars out of 5 rating. And with that, I'll hand it back over to you, Jerry. Thanks, Chris. So Chris and I are going to talk about this story after a few messages from our friends. Do you enjoy movie scores? Do you like science fiction? like fantasy. And do you like movies? Uh, uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. What happened? Uh, I had a slight weapons malfunction, but uh, everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? Well, I have a podcast for you. Soundtrack Alley. It's a podcast where I take you on a journey through the time of my childhood and beyond to give you a glimpse into the world of movies, science fiction, fantasy, and other films that touch me on a personal level. You'll also enjoy interviews from film composers from famous movies from the past or even current times. Enjoy the interaction I have with guests on my show every so often, and check out other shows that share in guest spots. So sit back, relax, and let the soundtrack world wash over you, and check out Soundtrack Alley. You'll love it. Welcome back. So, let's get into the story of Robin to Kill a Bird. Tim Drake's stepmother, Dana, is having emotional problems and is in the hospital. She isn't dealing well with the death of her husband, Tim's dad. Tim has moved schools to Bloodhaven to be close to her. Also, he is trying to stay as far away from Gotham as he can, because it just reminds him of the chaos of war games, the death of Darla Akista, and the death of his beloved Stephanie. In the Batcave, Bruce is training Tim, who has returned as Robin. Bruce tells Tim that he would like to adopt him now that his father is dead. Tim is excited, but he said he needs time to think about it. Tim realizes that he needs to grow up and become a man. Tim attends the first day of his new high school. The other students have heard about the events of war games in his old Gotham school, which they call Alamo High. Mm. The students treat him like a celebrity, but Tim wants nothing to do with all the attention. They think he's a snob now, and they snub him. At Bruce's lawyer's office, they find out that Tim 
does have some family that's still alive, his long-lost uncle Edward Drake. The lawyers are trying to locate him. Bruce says that they will figure things out no matter what happens. Tim goes out to Bloodhaven on patrol as Robin. He goes on a crime-fighting rampage, beating up gang members and other baddies. He wishes for a supervillain to fight, to really push his limits. And he gets his wish. He is struck in the chest by arrows out of nowhere. Luckily, his protective body armor saves him. He's chased through the city by his wily attacker, who it turns out is a young woman who calls herself the Rising Sun Archer. And I don't think she's from a house in New Orleans. Sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, definitely is. I, every show I got to throw in some kind of old pop culture reference here. I'm sorry. I had to make my quota. You nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> so he's able to damage her arrows that are in her, um, in the, in her back quiver and she, able to minimize the threat, but not before getting arrow through the forearm. He lets her escape and he follows her. Before she reaches her destination, he is attacked by another supervillain on on a horse, the Dark Rider. Penguin is in his lair, collecting weapons and gang members. He is the one that hired the Rising Sun Archer. She comes back to his, uh, his hideout and reports that she failed in killing Robin, but she'll get him next time. It turns out that Penguin has an open contract on Tim and... She's going to have to compete with others if she's going to collect. Tim is battling the Dark Rider. The villain's horse turns out not to be solid, but a vaporous apparition, and it disappears when Tim knocks him off the horse. Tim uses an explosive charge to destroy the rider's lance, which is also, you know, secondarily shooting energy beams. The two fight until dawn comes. Once the sun is in the sky, the Dark Rider turns into a regular man, Stanley Baumgarten, who doesn't realize that he turns into a supervillain at night. He has some kind of undiagnosed sleep disorder, which may also be a demonic possession. Because of lack of evidence, Stanley is released by the police. So Tim has to come out the next night and do the same thing. Night after night, Tim beats the Rider, He has it down to a science, though, and every night he tries to beat his time from the previous night. (laughs) Finally, he's able to get enough witnesses for the cops to arrest the Spectre slash Stanley Baumgarten. Tim's uncle Edward has been found. He was in a Tibetan monastery, and he comes to Gotham. The two go to Tim's new school, and Edward says that now that he's Tim's guardian, he's going to be taking Tim out of school to be educated at home. Edward lacks normal social social niceties, and he's insulting to almost everyone he meets, which greatly embarrasses Tim. The next night, Tim is out in Bloodhaven and tracks down and visits the apartment of the Rising Sun Archer, but he finds her tied up and gagged. There's a note taped to her leg telling Robin that she's been tied up as a favor from an anonymous friend, and it's signed V. Tim interrogates her, and she discovers that Penguin has put out an open contract on him and Batgirl. Afterwards, he lets the archer go with a warning not to come back. In Istanbul, not Constantinople, Istanbul. (laughs) Very good. Yeah, Johnny Warlock. Remember him? He's swimming in his pool. 
Henry Akista visits him. He wants Johnny to find a way to bring his daughter, Darla, back to life. He has brought her badly decomposing body with him, of course. Johnny says he can't do it, but the living medallion on his chest, that is kind of taking up residence uh, on his chest, says that he can bring her back if he can get a willing supply of life energy to feed into her. Henry says that he would do anything to bring her back. Good enough. The medallion says it's a deal, takes Henry's life, and gives it to his daughter. Now, it also makes Johnny, he doesn't look too good. Johnny looks dead after the ordeal, but the medallion says he'll just need a week or two to heal. Darla rises from her coffin and is now a dazzling red-garbed superhero, and he's looking forward to Warlock meeting his new daughter. Darla has the power to make people see things that she wants them to. She uses this power to get on a plane to the United States to see Tim. Bruce visits Edward Drake. He knows that Edward is really an actor named Richard Barron that Tim hired to pose as his uncle. Now, Tim traps Penguin on the roof of a building. Penguin hired goons to kill Tim and Batgirl, put out this contract to kill them both because they disrespected him. He figures it's cheaper to have him killed through an open contract rather than to pay goons that are just going to get themselves beat up and arrested. Hey, Tim, times are tough. you got to take the cheap route, yeah. That's right. He <laughs> figures it's just, yeah, he only has to pay if he gets what he wants. Yeah. Tim tells him to cancel the contract, but Penguin refuses. And he leaves, Tim leaves, before Penguin's goons can shoot him. Now, as Tim leaves, a man in military garb calls to him. The two fight, but the military man isn't trying to hurt Robin. He says that it was he who tied up the Rising Sun Archer before hitting Tim with a knockout gas. Tim wakes up in his rented room, unhurt, uh, and wondering what happened. He heads off to the Batcave to use the Batcomputer so he can figure out who this new fighter is. Batman arrives and confronts Tim about his, quote, Uncle Eddie. Tim admits it was a setup. He wanted to get time on his own to grow up, but he didn't want to insult Bruce by turning down his extremely generous offer of adoption. Tim fully expects Bruce to be upset, but in fact, Bruce is proud of him. Proud of his independence, and also proud of the skill that he used to set up the scam. In Bloodhaven... There's an alleyway. A mauled body is found with a note saying, I'll stop killing them when you deliver Batgirl and Robin. Signed, Junkyard Dog. Batman and Robin determine that the military man Tim fought is called the Veteran. He is what it was believed to be an American myth, born on the first battle of every American war and dies from the last shot fired. A Bloodhaven cop tells Tim uh, about this junkyard dog killing and says that Tim is wanted on a specific Bloodhaven corner. Tim leaves word for the veteran to follow him. Tim arrives at the corner and meets the junkyard dog and all of his murderous pet puppies. They fight, but the veteran has set up on a rooftop and is able to sniper rifle the dogs attacking Tim. The animals are all destroyed and Tim captures their leader. 
Tim and the veteran talk. He says that he really is the mythical being uh, that everyone's heard about. He also says that he is here to recruit Robin to be on his team. The end. (laughs) So Chris and I are going to talk about our feelings for this story after these words from some of our friends. Trekker Talk. A fan podcast devoted to the adventures of 23rd century bounty hunter Mercy St. Clair from the pages of Trekker Comics by creator, writer, and artist Ron Randall. I'm Darren. And I'm Ruth. We'll be discussing the stories, characters, and art in this excellent retro sci-fi adventure series, as well as having side conversations about other areas of fandom. We hope you'll join us as we travel from the dangerous back streets of New Gallif to the depths of outer space and everywhere in between. Trekker Talk is available at podbean.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. Find us at trekkertalk.com. Welcome back. So, Chris, what did you think of the story? Well, Jerry, my first thought was... um, the artwork was very good, but it was so inconsistent that it threw me out of the story. For our long-time readers out there, let me put it this way. Can you imagine, like, you're reading a trade paperback, and one chapter is drawn by Kurt Swan, and then the next chapter is drawn by Jack Kirby, and then the next chapter is drawn by John Romita Jr., and then it goes back and forth. So you, I think as comic book readers, we're, we're kind of – our eyes take in a lot of things here. It just is like a food critic takes in a lot of things with his palate. An art critic takes in a lot of things with his sight. Mm-hmm. Comic book readers take a lot of visuals into their eyes. Yeah. And when you are in the middle of a story, you're looking at the style of artwork for a particular artist. That's very, very distinctive, very, very distinctive. And then your next chapter is done by a different artist you're you you sort of are in this weird kind of buffet where you you get like um a shrimp cocktail but then chocolate mousse both things are really good but they're just so polar opposite of each other it kind of throws throws your palate off a little bit and I, that's the feeling i got when i read this unfortunately there the artwork was very good but just just so inconsistent from chapter to chapter and i think that didn't do the story any favors there were some good things here um I really like Kemikoli in particular with the work he did here. And I thought it was very evocative of the work that it was about to come with Spider-Man. Some of the uh, dynamic uh, with angles that he did while Tim was in battle, there were some scenes where he was uh, swinging on a line. I thought that that was uh, things of signs signs to come with what he was going to do on Spider-Man. The writing, we had some fine things here. There was one scene where Robin was riffing on Spider-Man during a fight. I thought that was sort of somewhat out of character, but it was, it was good. Uh, I thought there were some nice Batman and Alfred exchanges with uh, Batman questioning Alfred, if he really did love, uh, you know, Tim's stepmom and, you know, saying that was none of his concern. One thing I didn't care for, there was a bit where we find this whole thing was almost a charade with uh, Tim's uh, uncle, and there was a little bit of deception, but Batman, I, I figured, would have been very, very upset and scolded and reprimanded, but in this, he does a 180, and he praises him. Yeah. I, I just was really taken aback by that. I agree. 
some of the characters were a little stronger, some were weaker than other. The threats didn't seem as strong as I thought it would be considering the stakes. Mm-hmm. And one character that intrigued me the most in the story was the character of the veteran mm. who I thought was a very, very interesting character, but the, with the way he was depicted here and Jerry, I don't know if you get these commercials where you live, but uh, we got these uh, lower rate insurance companies and one's called the general. Yes. It, yes. And this, <laughs> if you've seen the commercial for the general, he looks like this little cartoony guy with a little battle helmet on with stars on it. And that's kind of the look. And it, the, 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 the look of the veterans seemed to almost be unintentionally funny. He, he sort of had this half mask on and a very a least offensive appearance that you could make, but for this very intriguing character that I, I really enjoyed a lot. So I was really, really torn. There was things, things to like, things to not like, but just with the inconsistent artwork, I, I was I was left in, in sort of a confused state as we went from chapter to chapter. What did you think? I, I have to agree with you about the art. It was confusing. And in fact, there were a couple of panels, um, like, you know, the, the larger panels, like the, you know, close to full page spreads, that I actually had difficulty figuring out what was happening in the fight. And, you know, sometimes that happens, you know, you're reading a comic and you look at, and you, you know, it's kind of a mess of, you know, punching and, you know, it's not supposed to be kind of literal. But I would look at some of these panels and literally not be able to figure out what was happening. Like, I, I guess, I guess that's Tim's face there and that looks like a foot. <laughs> And, you know, I just, I, I had a real hard time with some of the art. Sometimes it was fantastic. Um, really, uh, you know, it's kind of more simply done, most of it. But some of it was just, it just really didn't work for me. Now, I thought that this was kind of an amalgamation of a lot of different stories, kind of loosely connected by uh, Tim trying to get uh, this contract off of him. And, you know, we see a lot of, a lot of bad guys, you know, the Rising Sun Archer, uh, Dark Rider, Johnny Warlock makes an appearance, um, you know, but nothing really pays off per se. Not, not when you look at it anyway from a trade perspective. Maybe when, if you looked at it, from uh, you know, if you were getting this in in floppies, you know, you get it one by one. Oh well, this one has you know the the Dark Rider. This issue has you know the Veteran. This you know and split up like that. It might have been a better read. But reading it all at once and trying to kind of kind of string it together as one story really just seemed like uh, no one thing really worked. Um, I agree with you about the veteran. I think it was a, it's a cool idea. He didn't really look too compelling. Um, and again, you know, that, that whole story didn't pay off in this trade. Um, and, and also Warlock's daughter. Fantastic. Let's bring her back. But we never really see the payoff of that. I am not uh, such a great fan of Johnny Warlock. Uh, I don't know if you're supposed to be. He might supposed to be a kind of half comedic villain kind of guy, but, uh, I, I'm just not a great fan of him. I thought the best thing here was the Dark Rider, which was a really cool idea. This guy that falls asleep and gets this possession and comes out, you know, at night and, and does crazy things. And it was, I, I had a lot of fun 
watching Tim and, and the, this was the best part of the whole thing for me. This was really good Tim, uh, kind of internal dialogue and he's kind of a wise, wise guy, you know, he's really snippy and snarky and, you know, tries to get the, the bad guys angry at him and it really goes into how he's breaking down the, his strategy, how he's going to beat people. And I really like to see Tim fighting with the Dark Rider, and I would like to have seen more of it. I think they could have expanded this concept, but you know, boom, 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 it was over. And yeah, there were a lot of great ideas, but they just sort of went all over the place. It was unfortunate. Yeah, there was one point going back to the veteran too. I think readers who are looking at the current Detective Comics title over the past year or year and a half, you sort of see a similarity with. Uh, K. Keen Batwoman and her father, you know, he was trying to recruit people to go on his side in in, in McCade at one point just to say, hey, leave Batman and we're going to form this own uh, thing and do our own justice. So I thought there was an interesting parallel with that, with K. Keen's dad and this uh, veteran character that uh, I thought was really unique. Yeah, done done much better in Detective Comics, I think. True, Uh, true. Yes. I I never really, you know, he's some kind of a mythical, mythical, magical creature here, I guess. Yeah, that really wasn't fully fleshed out, and I just kind of really, it seemed almost like a fairy tale like yeah. and i thought that that it sort of uh, lost some lost some weight when it was framed that way yeah. for me so there are a lot of really good ideas in this trade but none of them really pay off what we do have is uh, a pretty a pretty good uh tim drake um characterization i agree with you about it was a little odd having bruce Oh, I'm so proud of you for tricking me, you know. <laughs> yeah, that seemed totally out of character that I I, I I wasn't even sure I was reading an actual Batman book. Is this is this a joke? I, I really yeah. I didn't think that was uh in, in tune with uh Bruce's character in that moment. Yeah. And then he's like, Well so I figured it out, but I'll help you so that y- you can figure out how to get around the way I figured it out. Really? Yeah. What was that? I, I, I just did not make any sense. I, I, I don't know if that was just me or, oh my gosh, I did, that was just, that totally took me out of the story for a moment or two. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I, I think it was a plot twist or like a twist for the sake of a twist because they didn't want to have Tim and Bruce at odds, maybe. I don't know. I, yeah. Kind of interesting, kind of, but but kind of, uh, like you say, takes you out of the story. So, um, now, one thing I didn't bring up when I went through the synopsis is there was kind of a little side plot between Alfred and you, you mentioned it before about Tim's stepmom. Uh, but, you know, he's spending a lot of time talking with her in the hospital and, um, you know, reading to her and things like that. And the doctors are saying how much it's helping her. And then Bruce confronts Alfred about, well, are you falling in love with her? And Alfred gets very huffy about it. And, oh, you know, you have to learn boundaries. And again, it's just something that is left on the table and, you know, not really followed up on and doesn't have a satisfactory ending. So, you know, I think uh, uh, that's another problem. And it's a, a series of problems with this trade. Mm-hmm. So where would you rate this? 
Well, Jerry, let me try to find some positives with this. I think Damien Scott does a good job with some particular panels and with some nice facial features on his characters. I think he'd make an excellent political cartoonist, and I'm not saying that to be derogatory by any stretch. I think he's got some talent. Some of the battle sequences were really well done. There was a fight sequence that was done outdoors in the rain, and I thought this was really, really um crafted very well yeah. with panel to panel things. There was some nice chemicoli sequences. That said, we we had sort of just this weird going from art style to art style that just didn't blend well collectively for a story in a trade paperback as it was collected. I really felt bad about that. In the writing we had a nice Batman exchange. We had some with Alfred, we had some nice uh Tim moments here and there, but they were a little few and far between, Mm -hmm. I thought. Um, I was really towing the line between a 2.0 and a Mm 2.5. I'm going to be a little generous and go 2.5. This was about as standard as it gets uh, for for a comic book. Mm -hmm. It could have been some of these elements and story elements had promise, but they just weren't executed as well as they could be. Mm -hmm. I thought this was very, very unfortunately average and i the stakes just didn't seem quite that high i really didn't feel like there was uh any pressure on tim if you are a tim drake fan by all means explore this but i certainly could think of some uh things i would put ahead of this i'm gonna have to go 2.5 batterings on this how about you jerry i think i liked it a little more for all the complaining i'm doing about it but uh not I think I was going for a 2.5 to 3.0, but mm-hmm. because, and mostly because I am a, a big Tim Drake fan and I did like some of his snarkiness here and, um, the idea of, you know, him, at least the concept of him trying to trick Bruce and, you know, get out on his own. And, but I, I think I'm going to, you know, the more I talk about it, the more I think about it here, I think I'm going to slide down to the low end to the 2.5. I think I'm going to go with you with 2.5 better ranks out of five. Um, just, uh, I would, if you're a big Tim Drake fan, I would suggest you might like this. You might want to read this, but otherwise, like you said, it's just standard as, as kind of vanilla as it gets. Okay. All right. So uh, that's all we have for this story. Uh, now, we should uh, let you know that Bat Books for Beginners is part of the BatmanUniverse.net network. We offer all the Batman-based weekly comic book reviews, news, and some great podcasts, including the flagship comic podcast that's on the opposing Fridays from us. Uh, when we're not on on a Friday, the comic podcast is on. They also have Everyone Loves the Drake, Batgirl to Oracle, and many, many more. Uh, if you like what we have to offer, please consider donating to us at the TBU Patreon account. So you can find a link to the Patreon account on the BatmanUniverse.net website. Now, Chris, you're on Twitter, aren't you? Yes, thank you very much, Jerry. I'm on Twitter. My handle on Twitter is at BTO and Bad Books. Again, that's at BTO and Bad Books. That's so it's right. BTO for Batgirl to Oracle. I do appear on that show. That's right. Currently, the Batman 66 title has ceased at this moment, but <sighs> my next upcoming show, I am going to review Volume 3 of the IDW Batman reprint strip book, which does contain oh, a Batgirl adventure. So I'm looking forward to that. Oh, We're going to have a lot of fun. There are some future things in the works. I'm still going to be part of Stella's show after that uh, review, and I won't reveal what's going to be covered yet, partly because 
I haven't quite decided yet. We still and I did discuss this, and I think there is a direction we are going to go. We are going to explore some things that uh, should has never been previously explored. I think in comics, so I'm looking forward to this. And uh, fortunately, I do have a form over there. It's very intriguing. But yes, uh, my Twitter handle again is BTO and Bad Books, and I'll. Do like a Saturday morning uh, shout out. Uh, I'll look. I'll look at some old nostalgia things in my basement. I'll tweet out some panels and just some opinions of whatnot. You can also find my partner Jerry on Twitter. Is that correct, Jerry? That is right. I am at Professor Frenzy. That's Professor Frenzy, and I uh, do reviews on the BatmanUniverse.net. I've been reviewing Mother Panic, the uh, now defunct Gotham Academy, and I'm going to be picking up Birds of Prey. Yeah, looking so forward to that. Yeah, that should be too. good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. So uh, on Twitter, I uh, tweet out 140 character reviews. I cover uh, my favorite DC books and other books, indie books. I like all kinds of stuff, uh, as well as Dark Shadows. Uh, and also, Chris and I both spend a little bit of time on Saturday nights uh, live tweeting. Um, old terrible television and uh horror movies and we we have such a great time with uh uh at spanguli uh the the hashtag spanguli hashtag we we look at old movies old horror movies and have such a great time doing that that's right that that could be found on me tv if you if you have that part of your uh, package uh most most people do and we've we've gotten to know some nice people oh, from yeah. that affiliation who just all are the kindest people you could imagine and yeah. we just all get along and it's been a lot of fun just yeah, poking sure. and it's, it's it's a great community over there so uh we're not exclusive you know, newbies are welcome i definitely I, I joined in and i fit right in the crowd so it sure did stuff. So it was really great. So if you have any uh, trepidation, by all means, don't don't fear, don't fear the group. Just yeah, jump right come in. Come on and over. Come yeah. on over. You'll do a lot fine. Now Clinton Robeson, who does the uh, really terrific Coffee and Comics podcast, he also joined over there too. And uh, it's he's he signed up, got right in, got right in, got right in. Yep, got right in. And time. he is sharp. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. I, lo- I love his podcast. It's uh, it's always he does these uh. A lot of personal, and, and, and there really are a, a podcast that's about as long as it takes to drink a cup of coffee. And he has some really good kind of pers- uh, he reviews old comic books, but he also has certain minisodes that he looks at, uh, you know, very personal uh, experiences with comics. And I really recommend you check that out. Uh, that's Coffee and Comics Podcast. Another one that I really like is Cosmic Treadmill. That's uh, Chris Sheehan at Ace Comics on Twitter and at Reggie Reggie. That's uh, Reggie over there, too. And they discuss classic comics, and they it's so much fun. They're doing um, uh, just, just, just terrific. Even if the comic isn't that great, their commentary is a lot of fun. So check them out as well. Now, we also have uh, some very special friends, the Sutherlands, and they do a couple of terrific, terrific podcasts. Uh, they do Warlord Worlds. They have Xenozoic Xenophiles and Trekker Talk. And uh, we actually did a show with them. On uh, uh, We talked about the Batman Mask, the Mike Grell uh, uh, comic book, which we had a great time doing, and I can't wait to hear how that turned out. 
Same here. You know, speaking of the Sutherlands, uh, we didn't get any comments over on the TV website on our last podcast, but we did get a nice email from Darren Sutherland. And Darren chimed in with our Dark Detective episode, and I think that was episode 164. And he goes on to say, hi, Jerry and Chris. I really enjoyed your coverage of the Dark Detective miniseries. I haven't read it, but your summary and review really brought the story to life. I appreciated hearing Jerry's reasons for not enjoying the story, but I want to applaud your summary, Jerry, because you didn't let that get in the way of delivering an entertaining description of the events that kept me interested throughout. Chris, your comments about the art make me know that I want to look up both this series and the earlier stories by the same creative team to see the art. Thank you for a great episode, and have a wonderful day, friends. Signed, Darren. Well, thank you so much. Uh, thank you. And, yeah, by all means, I do want to recommend, if you want to look out the uh, Steve Englehart, Marshall Rogers book, I think you can find the uh, masterwork of Marshall Rogers with the Batman uh, stuff. Again, that gets my highest recommendation to seek that out. Also, too, we got some likes and retweets from our last podcast. Uh, we got some new people. We have Idel Saeed from... Uh, yeah. Frozen Gothamite. He's a part of the TBU. He's at Frozen Gothamite. Uh, some of these are names we've already mentioned. We got Reggie Reggie at Reggie Reggie. Here's a new one. Huckleberry Comics at Huckleberry DSR. Thank you so much. Uh-huh. Justice is first on at Classic JLA. Mm-hmm. Terrence Castengate at TC underscore DW. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, Clinton Coffee and Comics at Coffee and Comics Blog. Yeah, we, we heard from uh, Mark at I'm the Gun at I'm the Gun. Xenozoic Xenophiles. Here we go. There are the Sullivans again. Somebody new. We also had Man in the Black at that one dude underscore 87. And we also had likes and tweets from Chloe Rose, The Batman Universe, Zach Sully, Gene Russell, Dem Bones, Trigger Talk, and Ace Comics. Again, the latter two being uh, the Sullivans, and that would be Christian at Ace Comics. Thank you very much. And for all our listeners, I really want to thank you. We, we I think our listenership keeps on growing after each episode. Yeah. We can't thank you enough for spending the time and following us on Twitter. Uh, it, it, I am just blown away at the response our, our show has gotten, and I, I really can't thank you enough for spending some time with us. We we sincerely appreciate it. I, I am just blown overblown with, with the, such warm response and the friendships I've made through through this podcast. So I can't thank you enough, everybody. Yeah, and and rest assured, we Chris and I have a lot of fun doing it. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So well. Thank you, everyone. And that's all we have for today. And please join us next time. So my name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And thank you for listening to Bat Books for Beginners. Bad books for beginners. Bad books for beginners. Bad books for beginners. Welcome to Bad Books for Beginners. Chris and Jerry bring you Robin to Kill a Bird. Download, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Bad Books for Beginners is part of the BatmanUniverse.net family of podcasts. Thank you for listening. <laughs>